0: Welcome to episode 96. Today's guest is top wide receiver trainer, Margin Hooks. After a legendary playing career at BYU and some time in the pros, Hooks has recently gained popularity and trained 18 All-American receivers. Margin, thank you for joining me on the show today. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Awesome. I'm glad to have you on today. First off, what's your story been like getting to being a collegiate pro player, now to training? What's that journey been like, and how would you describe it?
1: You know what? It's been a, uh, it's like a roller coaster ride in a dark tunnel, because you just don't know what necessarily is on the other end. But it's, I mean, it's very, it's been very exciting, very exciting.
0: Awesome. Well, now getting to be a trainer, you're working with a lot of top talent. So, how did that work for you getting into that world, transitioning from being a player to now training and working with these guys?
1: Oh, that was a long, long kind of uh, road with that. Um, when I finished uh, playing college ball, you know, I went did a few seasons uh, in NFL, um, did some uh, Canadian League Arena football before it got to the point where it's like, okay, let me use my degree, you know. Um, so after playing ball, I kind of bounced around doing some different things, marketing, because remember I, when you go to college, and your main thing is to play pro ball, you really don't have a plan B. You don't really think about it that much. So now it's time to use plan B. It's like, okay, now let me put this stuff together. So uh, right out, I thought about teaching and coaching, you know, but in Texas you got to be certified. So I went certified. So I did like a council manager, like an agent sales and leasing for a while. Um, so I worked there. Um basically selling furniture not selling furniture but accounts manager make sure people pay their bills and all that kind of stuff um and from there i got involved with working with uh with kids you know i would get kids would come into the store um come in and talk now they would have homework and i asked my school when i would sit there and help them out with some of the, whatever it is math english just kind of helping them out in general um so and it kind of dawned on me just uh, just kind of being a magnet towards kids and kids you know always kind of just always came to me and I it was a true story i along being a council manager I was also a repo man so you don't pay your bill I have to go pick the stuff up and I went to a, a place and I had to pick up some uh, TV and as I'm walking the TV out some the kids were outside and they asked me where are you taking our TV and they didn't know it was low-income area and I had to tell them I said well I'm going to fix it and I thought to myself how can I help these kids not be in that situation And that's when I decided, you know, let me, let me just step over and just start teaching. So when I looked at the hours I had from, you know, with my degree, I majored in broadcast journalism. So I was able to, you know, get my certification in English. First language, I taught reading Um, middle school, seven, uh, actually seventh grade. And I started coaching. Funny thing about it, when I went to start teaching, I didn't want to coach. I tried to just get away from it. And there was schools that would look at my resume. That's the first thing they put, well, want you to coach, want you to coach and every school hired and fired me at the same time because i would get hired and because my certification didn't match you know it, you know they might say well i got a job for history well i wouldn't didn't have a certification so i had to text you, you had to get a cert- highly qualified meaning i didn't have my certification but i had enough hours in college to teach certain subjects which was reading you know so i went into reading uh the school started coaching middle school ball and it kind of took off from there you know I'm um, looking at players and the things that I knew and the things that I could help them with help their game. So I would start working with little small things at practice after practice, little small things, and especially playing receiver, being able to stop understanding route concepts, but to being very technical, you know, with it. And it, it that the team, you know, normally in seventh grade, you, you know, back when I was, in, you know, 10 years ago, ten fifteen 15 years, you just don't throw the ball in middle school. You kind of hand it to the best guy and go. And I was able to kind of some offenses where I kind of took some things that I learned from college where I played BYU, you know, threw a ball a lot and kind of used some of those concepts and, and, you know, the players enjoyed it. You know, they was on a higher level, you know, got to win some games, go into some championships and my name kind of took off as a coordinator, but I was able to, The reason it was able to go is because of the kids had a skill set and were able to do the things that normal 13, 14 year olds weren't able to do on the field. And it, it, I went to doing camps, small kitty camps. Like I will charge people like sixty dollars for three days. I would actually have stations set up, have some business part of my mind. In fact, one guy that started with me is a guy named Clay Mack, who would be you know the camp in Atlanta. He and I all start together. So he would come over. He would I was laughing. The little kids get to his section. He'd always take a restroom break, you know. So we'd do this, do flag football and all that. I would give them hot dogs at the end you know t-shirts and i would be just breaking even you know just just happy just to be dealing with football in that manner and a couple of those kids started asking for extra work and they got better and they kind of gone okay this thing could kind of kind of work out and they start progressing you know and and that's how it kind of progressed and kind of started off as camps and then morphed into more training where people wanted to personalize help because camps normally end up babysitting i see the minivans pull up Moms drop all the kids off, you know, they go to the mall and shop and, you know, Oh, we dropped them off three days straight for two hours and go shop. And, and it, it was the beginning. And so now, you know, going from, <laughs> you know, doing the counts for $60. There's like for three days now, you know, it's kind of gotten bigger. You know, kids are taking more seriously. Parents look at it as the outlets, more like tutoring. And that's, that's actually how I train, you know, I, it's like a classroom. You know, so I take the steps that I have with teaching at school. You know, I teach math. So, for, you know, before I'm able to teach you algebra, I have to know, make sure you can add and subtract and make sure you know to do integers. And can you multiply? Can you multiply a negative number? What well, do you understand? Fractions, decimals. And then later on, I put a letter in it, which is a variable X or Y. Now it's algebra. But you have all the basics to be able to go further along. And that's basically my, my training pattern. I start you off with the basics. Because in football, you do the same things over and over and over. They just look a little different, but you have to have the basis wherever you go, whether it's junior high, you know, little league, junior high, high school, college or pro, you know, so that's. That's my style, you know, I'm very technical, very detailed to the, the, the smallest of things, how you, you know, how you feel your big toe into the ground, how you healed into the ground What, you know, and then understand situations of the game, which helps me because I actually played, you know, and and taking the things that I wish I'd known. I tell a lot of my guys, like, I've made a lot of mistakes, so you don't have to make them. You know, so you can learn from me early, you know, and it helps being able to pull some footage out and like, oh, you actually did play. Yeah, I actually did. You know, it's like, oh, you're pretty good coach. You were fast. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> father time takes over, though. One day you're going to slow down. <laughs> you know, so so that's just kind of uh, just a synopsis of how it all came about from doing the kid camps to to train. i mean at one point play Mac and I did a we did a uh, actual birthday party where the parents paid us to come out doing a birthday party outside and do like drills and flag football. So <laughs> that's where it started that type of thing, you know, and then it's just kind of, you know, quarterback training has always been there. And I remember when I was in mm-hmm. college, a guy named Steve Clarkson, a uh, big time, you know, trainer, you know, training major quarterbacks on ESPN. The quarterback I had in college would go out there to him. So one in L.A. So I would go fly to L.A just to spend time with the quarterback. And he would go there and basically had me out through the shag balls. So I would sit there watching him. And I'm like, dude, you got all these dudes coming in. All you're doing is putting up a towel and they throw a ball and hit a towel, throw it in the trash can. And he'd tell me how much he was making. And that idea, you know, that's where I'm at now, at that point where kids come to me and, and I, I modeled that also just looking at him do this stuff. And I'm looking at him like, okay, you're your own boss. You do your own thing. So Steve Clarkson being able to see that at a young age kind of gave me an idea when training, when it morphed into that, okay, let me run it like this, where I don't have to train a lot of guys, you know, because I tell people, if you pay for tutoring, you don't have a classroom, 30 kids, that's a count, so I train anywhere from four, you know, four to six kids at a time, based on their skill set level, you know, I don't mix kids, you know, some guys, you know, I'm not going to have you, if I'm training a college kid, why would I have a, a ninth grader, that's like okay, you're in algebra, do it, it's trigonometry over here, you're not gonna i mean i'm not gonna slow down for the kid you know and algebra and, and you know and then the trigonometry kid upset so you have to graduate to the next level with me meaning you're able to do some things that i don't have to repeat and tell you over then i'll move you to the next group and that's that's the process my whole train style
0: okay well now i'm curious about your approach when you have a new athlete come to you let's say i'm a receiver and i'm coming to you maybe Sophomore in high school, we could say. Mm
1: -hmm. What's
0: your approach to figuring out what you need to focus on in training, how to attack things with a certain player? From your mindset, can you take us through what that's like?
1: Well, I want to see what they're expecting when they come to me. You know, what can they do off the And I have some basic drills that I do at the beginning, just kind of a slow approach. But it's something that their coach is going to make them. If you go to a camp, they make you do it all the time you know, and, and I make them do that over and over. We just work one side to going to the right, going to the right, going to the right. And I kind of look at the process, see some things. And I want to see, are they quick learners? You know, are they visual learners or they audio or they kinesthetic? Again, I take the classroom out there. Then I want to say, okay, are they coachable? Do they get real frustrated? Now, top athletes, they get frustrated, but they want more because everything's been so easy. It's a challenge for them. You know, and some kids don't have that mindset, which I understand. It's like, okay, I have to teeter it back for them. You know, like in the classroom, I have to pat you on the back and say it's going to be okay. You know, but with the, with the guys that, that have the mindset, that's how I'm able to look and say, okay, he has the opportunity to be All American. Why? He has, he has the mentality of it. Or a big time player, not to be All American, but a big time player. Just so because of their mentality, their mindset. And when I show them something, I expect them when they come back to me to have that damn pack, I meaning you're going to have homework. What are you going to do when you're not with me? You know, what are the fine details are you going to take care of it and, and pretty soon as just sticks to you, you know, it's muscle memory. Mm.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, when you look at these guys, obviously you've been training a lot of those all-American types. So when you approach to dive into that specifically, you say, okay, this is a big shot. Maybe, for example, a Evan Stewart or a Jordan Hudson kind of guy, some guys that you do train that are number one, number two in their class of 22 at receiver. Mm. How do you approach that? How do you go into that and know, okay, these guys are looking for the elite level stuff. How do you deal with that? Well,
1: when they come to me, they're not all Americans. They don't even know that they are that. They don't know that they're capable of okay. it. So I have to get into their head. If you follow my lead, you'll get to that point. Some are bullheaded. Like Evan Stewart was bullheaded. He was like, I got it. You know, because everyone patted him on the back and said he was good. But I always say this, don't never compare yourself. Never compare And as figure speaks. And I ain't going to say that because it's not politically correct. I won't say that one. Um, you know, I always say this. Don't compare yourself to a donkey and say you're a thoroughbred. So don't compare yourself to what's around you. You know, the people that's patting you on the back. Were they ever good at anything? Were they ever elite at anything? I don't care if it's kicking a can down the road. Were they ever at the top of it? To understand what it takes to get there. And when he finally bought in... It just kind of took like clicks and it's getting even better. Now, the more and more complicated, it gets, especially with recruiting, it's like the closer he becomes to me because it's like that. Okay, I know coaches. You're going to be the same as when I first met you. You know, when I first met him, he was out in the field jumping, jumping over people, and I didn't know who he was. I knew him, but I didn't know who he was. And I'm looking at him I'm like, why is that kid over there playing pickup games? Who is that? He doesn't belong. He's a whole nother level. You know, that's like Evan Stewart. So I called him over to me and I was like, you know, I was talking to him and he was like, and I introduced myself. He's like, oh, you're Coach Hooks because no one even knows what I look like. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I always tell people I'm just quiet behind the scenes. You know, it's not about me. I played. I'm done. It's about the guys that I train. It's not about me. So and he, you know, I talked to him, talked to his parents. He started, and the first, I had this first workout he ever tried to do. He looked horrible. Couldn't do anything, you know, skill set wise. But now, you know, he's a gifted athlete. He's gifted. You know, can run, can jump, and he'll probably go to state and four events here in Texas, you know, and track. So that's elite. Now, and Jordan Hudson, he was already, you know, he's been the man since he's been in Little League football. And how I met him, it was some, his Little League coaches were telling me that they wanted to work with me. And a guy uh, also um, that does middle school camps, he does a magazine. Guy named Courtney uh, Jackson. He does real well here. He does a lot of work with the youth here, kind of gets some exposure. Um, actually, I played against him at Craig Thing. I played against him in college. He was a DB at Arizona State when I was at BYU. So we had that connection. So he actually introduced us. Got called Jordan on Three Way and said, Jordan, you, you want this guy to polish you? You're a good athlete, but you need to go to him. And Jordan was easier because he was open. It was like, okay, bet what's up? You know, and I started working with him. And when I saw him, it was like, wow. If some things you don't coach, some things they already have, you know, my thing is to pull the rest of it out, you know, magnify, you know, take the things you do well and make it great and take some things that you don't like doing that are hard, and we're going to polish that. We're going to get that correct. So, and that's how it was with Jordan, you know, and one thing about both of them, they're both highly competitive. So then you have to deal with the egos. Now, that's one thing I'm good at. I handle the egos perfectly because, again, I play, I tell them all, I'm better than them. So y'all suck. I wish I'd have had me. You know, that's how that's how my, they come out and they laugh. You're just like coach, you're always talking noise. But yeah, well, coach, you can't do. I it like, go Google me and look. That's the one thing I have, you know, that I tell people and they like, man, you play. Yeah, my chair retired in BYU. I'm calling me. It's called a Todd Detmer, but I wore 14. So I just take credit for it. You know, I'm in record books, one all time leading receivers, you know, I'm high school Hall of Fame. You know, my high school, all that kind of stuff. So, the things I said, I set a board that y'all should blow out the water, you know, and it's not about me. I have some goals that I want y'all to get there, surpass anything that I could ever dream of. You know, I loved on, on Saturdays, I don't pass, I don't train past 12 o'clock, especially during the season, because I stopped to go watch all my guys play college ball. And if people ask me that, and I'm like, you know, they're like, well, did you used to train late? Yeah, just before I had guys in college. I was like, you need to respect that because one day I'm going to stop to come watch you play, you know. And that's what I do. I keep up with all my college guys, you know, seeing how they're doing, more so on the mental side of it. You know, the things they deal with with coaching and, you know, just being in there, you know, being the guy. It's different being a man. It's a, it's a different responsibility more than on the field, off the field, how you carry yourself. You know, the things you say people hold on to, you know, and nowadays with social media, oh, my God, I'm so, I'm so glad I didn't. I wish I'd had social media just for the point of building your own self image. But I'm like, but man, they get in trouble with this stuff. That send button. Oh, oh yeah. man. I'm like, so it, it, it helps some of them. You know, I call, Evan's a TikTok king. He has over a million followers on TikTok. So yeah. he, that's I call him TikTok king, <laughs> you know, TikTok king. You know, you got all these guys. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's fun, man. It's fun, man. I enjoy it. I enjoy just seeing them progress and and you know, accomplish things you know it's it's just it's something for me also you know but like i said everyone may say it's number one but guess what number seven number nine and thirteen all the rest of them shooting for you i always want the competitive side don't let them just say the number one go take it from him that's how the game is played on the next level and even when you go to the pros so that's kind of kind of system you know i run you know then you got those younger kids looking meaning they're next you know so it's, it's very, very fulfilling for me, you know, and it's part of my life now.
0: When you talk about the social media and the ego aspect of it, you talk about managing it. With some of these guys, how do you specifically approach them when you see some of those things? I mean, it's got to be hard not to have an ego when you've got these hundreds of thousands of followers and everybody telling you that you're great. So how do you manage that as a trainer? Well, you know
1: what? One thing I I do, I don't really have a lot of reporters that come after. They don't come to my training sessions. Coach, so it's just me and them. You know, so I don't have to worry about their feelings getting hurt with they can't do anything when I tell them something they don't want to hear, but they need to hear. I don't have to worry about it being reported so they know I'm out for the good of them. Not for, you know, me putting it out on social media that, oh, I told him this, I told him that, you know. Well, I talk to this coach, you know. I mean, I'm doing this because one day, hopefully you're in my position. No matter what you're doing in life and you're able to help someone else. I like that's what you owe me. To not only pass on. OK, a talent, but also just advise some young the you. It's your time. It's your time. You know the things you go through, mistakes you make, learn from it and make sure try to help everyone not to make the same mistakes you made. Just let them know what's going to happen. And and that's that's the thing, you know, it's just getting the respect. You know, getting their respect. A lot of them, you know, I, it's easier now because I've been doing it for so long. So many guys have, have come from up under me. You know, but at the beginning, it was a little tough because they're like, well, well, who are you? And they really don't know. So then I have to be arrogant and ego. I said, yeah, I play receiver. I'm arrogant and have an ego just like you. But you ain't even made it. I've seen your film. I like, I ain't, you know, I go in on, them. you know, uh, 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 and they like, wow. And it's real. It gets, you know, to the point where they like, OK, because we feel you, we feel you. like I want you to get to where you want to go, but there's some steps you're going to have to take. You can't skip anything. Training wise, you know, just how you treat people, how you treat your parents, how you treat your teachers, all of that takes toll. All of that's going to count later on in life for you. You know, you don't want to burn any bridges, you know, and be very eerie of people who are after just because you, you have the status. You know, be careful. Other people gonna latch on to you, you know. And, and I kind of just—I try to keep my distance from it, you know. Because a lot of people, I used to get, oh, he's training guys. He just want to build his name. He just this. And finally, and I start putting tweets out of myself playing, where it's like I'm better than them. Yeah, I am. I was that dude. I'm better than them. But I want them to better than me. What oh yeah, do? it came out. And it was like, oh, some guys thought I was probably shooting slugs at him and some, Oh everybody didn't play. It ain't my fault. It's not my fault. Yeah, everybody has their own story. You use it to your advantage. I said one thing I can't is history. I can't erase it. You know, just like everything you do in life, you can't erase it. Whether someone knows it or not, it's still there. You know, so so that's that's some of the ways out have kind of dealing with the, the the egos and you know, but it's really easy though because now they look at the guys I have in college and it's like. So, you're going to say you're better than them. I get on Evan all the time, you know, he wants to be the number one receiver. And I mentioned a guy named Marvin Mims that Oklahoma. And I was like, Marvin never mentioned about being number one. So I said, Matter of fact, they dropped him to a three star. I am like, Evan, you know why? I him, why is that? I was like, because they said he was lackluster and didn't show any burst at a Nike camp. I was like, you know why he didn't show any burst at the Nike camp? Why is that? I am like, well, he hit 25 points, had seven assists in a in a regional basketball game, regional state basketball game. The night before, I like, I like. Guess what? It. He didn't say anything. That's all he did is went on to break national records and state records, and then become all American in high school, then a fir- first uh, a freshman all American college. He didn't say anything. He didn't have to tell people. I like. So you are gonna compare yourself to him? <clears throat> and that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, and he won. A lot of y'all getting stats because. Y'all team's not that good, or y'all throwing the ball every play. He carried his team. If he doesn't play, they don't win. You know, and he never says a word. He just comes to work quietly. You know, I have a couple of them like that. JoJo Earl, same way, just going to Alabama. You know, he doesn't say much. He just comes out to work. They a big old smile. You know, those ones I call quiet assassins. They don't ask for the attention. They just get it. Why? Because of their play. They ain't got to say, look at me. So a lot of times I'm glad I have those guys that went before them. You know, they can see on TV. Then they may see them at a workout. You know, because then I don't let my high school guys train with my college guys. You're not on that level yet. You don't deserve to train with them. Now, once you get to your senior year and you've already committed to college, then I kind of ease you in with them out of respect for them. You know, can't have a kid that's trying to get an offer worry about, oh, you've to train my big time guys. No, they're you know, they're in calculus. You're still over here trying to go one plus one. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't see. mix it. And you you get to watch them train. You get to see them walk up. You get to see how the workout changes when they come. How it graduates. How you know, and and you get to see the the, the different levels. And it's one big happy family because the college guys support them. You know, they see him like man. Hey, I know he's hard on you, but just listen to him, man. It's always going to work out. So it helps me out. They helped me out some.
0: Definitely. Well, when you talk about your big guys, these all-American names, for our audience that is getting introduced to you, some of these people may be seeing you for the first time, who are these guys? Who are some of the biggest names that you've been working with?
1: It depends on you're talking about. Now, future, I mean, it's, 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 it's so many guys that have helped me. You know I'm saying? They helped me because they gave me, the parents gave me an opportunity to work with these young men. You know, they didn't have to have gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. But they saw fit to give me an opportunity to work with them, you know. So I've been blessed to work with guys like, you know, Benjamin, who's with the Arizona Cardinals, played at Arizona State, All-American High School, All-American in college. You know, I've worked with uh, Terrence Marshall, who's getting ready to get in the draft now, LSU. You know, his dad used to bring him down. I left the day at the barber, talked to him. He used to bring him when he was young, you know, in high school, working with him. Um, Tommy Bush, you know, the Georgia, you know uh i'm probably missing some trajan bridges you know who's at ou marvin Mims, who's at ou um ej smith was emma smith's son who's at stanford um put like this my 20 my 20 class i had three all-americans which was marvin Mims, um ej smith and daniel jackson who's at Iowa state Uh, my 21 class i have four which is jaron bradley who's at texas tech um J.J. Henry, who's going to Ole Miss, um, uh, uh J. Michael Sturlivan, who's All-American, going to Cal, and Jojo Earl, who's going to Alabama. In my 22 class, I have five and possibly another six coming. They moved the rankings up real high. You know, that's with Evan Stewart, um, Jordan Hudson, um, who else? Taylor Setter, not Oklahoma, who commit to Oklahoma. Um, Caleb Burden is committed to Ohio State. Um, Nicholas Anderson was a, moved him up to a four star. He was a one ranked seven, and who got every offer in the nation. Um, Armani Winfield, um, who's a commit to Texas. You know, that's my twenty two class, my twenty three class. I have two. You know, I have. A, I work with Jalen Hale out of Longview. I work with Jonte Cook out of Soto, and that probably be four. You know, and others before that. Like I said, the Tommy Bush is the you uh, know Benjamins. You know, like I say, there's somebody I'm forgetting in there. I know somewhere, you know. But then not only did they're all Americans, but they don't mean, oh, they're not top guys. I have guys who are doing well in college who are some of the top receivers in the nation. And they weren't all Americans. They just got, you know, they did their damage when they got to school. So it doesn't matter to me. That's just an accolade. Some reporter said you're all American. You know, the hardest part, I said, what you want to be is be Coach Hook's top receiver. you my top dog. It don't matter what the rankings say. The rankings may say, oh, you're this, but if you might not be my top dog. You know, because I'm going to look at your mindset, your mentality. Because I always ask guys this. Who can handle making a game, win a touchdown? If I can, who can handle not making that play? I mean, how are you going to bounce back from it? Who can mentally strong? Who can handle it? That's the key. Who can handle not making it? Is it going to ruin you? Is it going to ruin you when fans boo you? When, especially with social media, when they are oh, saying bad things about you. You know, They don't even know you. know what you're going through. Can you handle that? Can you keep your composure? Can you keep your mind on the can you keep your mind on the prize of what you're there to, to gain and attain? Take that as, you know, a learning moment. I tell kids, there's no such thing as a bad workout. You know, you might get deed up against DBs and all that. And I tell parents oh, that was a bad work, bad day. No, it wasn't. It was a learning day. You made some mistakes to learn from. So if these situations come up again, you can defeat it. But if you've never seen these, if it's new situations, you don't want new situations to arise at game time. And if it arises twice, that's your fault if you didn't learn how to correct it. So yeah,
0: Definitely. Well, what do you think makes the coach margin experience so unique? I mean, with the way you coach, you've probably touched on a few things, but what makes training with you unique and different? Well, because
1: I have a personal relationship with each, in, in each individual that I have. Each individual, it's not a group thing. It's not always, oh, you're going to be in a group. Sometimes this may be you. It's some workouts so I may be working there and we may do one thing. And I might keep you late just to get this one thing till you get it right. So I'm going to have an individual relationship. I want there to be some type of accomplishment, whether it's something a little simple. I find the small things, you know, in a kid. You, know, I might, you might have a whole bunch of neighbors, but you got this. I'm always going to find that little glitter, you know, that little glitter for you to kind of say, yeah, it's a, it's a progress. It's a process. So I keep old footage of when the kid begins with me. And then three or four months after that, I'll say, look what you look like. Now look what you are. Probably now you're not where you need to be, but you have progressed. You know, I learned that in school. You know, that's why I say sometimes, just in junior college, sometimes it's good to have that two year graduation. Just patch everyone, like, oh man, because you had to go four straight years and nobody patting you on the back. It's kind of tough. And some kids need that, you know, their background every day. You know, what I mean, it's, you just don't know what these kids are dealing with outside of football, you know. So, and, and that's the one thing I'm kind of keen with understanding what you're dealing with outside of football, you know, trying to be understanding. someone you can talk to, you know, someone who's going to tell you right from wrong. We're going to feel. I don't care how you feel about it. And I'm not looking for anything. I'm not looking to. Oh, I want to go to your game. I've I've never gone to any of my kids' college games that I train. I never have. I said I won't. They're why? Because if I go to one, you know how many games I'm about to go to. Everybody else wants me to come to their game, so I just watch the TV. So the only games I go to is I watch BYU play. If you play BYU, I go to the game because I got excuse. I want to watch my alma mater play. So it's the only time I go to a game just so I don't get in that, you know, I'm not going to wear another team's colors and all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't I don't care. You know, it's like, say, I wear blue. I'm a cougar blue. So I don't care what school you went to. I'm a cougar fan. So it doesn't matter.
0: You know. I'm sure you get a lot of guys that will ask you, you have these high level recruits and. They'll say, hey, you know, I'm getting recruited. You know, what are your tips or what are your thoughts on this? I'm sure they're picking your brain. How do you help these guys, especially the five, four-star guys that are really big time in terms of coaches, getting hundreds of texts a day? How do you help them navigate or what kind of advice do you give them to navigate through this recruiting in the year 2021? It's
1: tough. You know, a lot of them, I'll say they need to be quiet and stay awake. They need to stay away, you know, like the social media gets them. A lot of them want attention, you know, attention. They want to seek attention. Mm I say, see, you want the good attention, but when it's negative, you want to hide from it. You know, so just stay away from complete. You can't take the good. You got to be able to take the negative, too, you know, with the recruiting. I say, and get a relationship with the coaches. Find out what they're, they're, you know, everyone's going to be a good salesman. I like, but it's going to be a gut feeling when it's time for you to choose a school. When you and your parents sit there and talk about it, it's going to be a gut feeling. I say, it was a gut feeling for me you know, and it's going to be a key thing that's going to be like, okay, yeah, this is a place for me. And does it happen for everybody? No. But I'll say I say always go with your gut feeling. You know, that's that's the, 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 the side of advising with the recruiting thing. And and just kind of, you know, be thankful, you know, don't turn your nose up at certain because You never know what this, this what, what it's going to lead, what type of uh, uh obstacles going to be in front of you. And you don't want to have you know, coaches change jobs all the time. You may be a coach you turn your nose up with and then you end up at the school he's at, you know, because uh, of uh, coaching changes and all that. So that's why I always tell him to be humble. Just be humble with everything. Get us a blessing. And just like it's given, it can be taken away.
0: You are going to be in Villarica, Georgia at the Hot List camp on May 16th. That'll be a big one. Highly anticipated. A lot of big time players and big receivers that you'll be working with. We'll be at that camp. So what are you looking forward to? What are your expectations coming in as a coach? Man, I'm just
1: looking at just to learn some things from those guys, kind of pick their brain, man, just enjoy myself, just being around some kids, man, and kind of let some of their energy rub off on me a little bit as being an old age now. And, you know, whatever I can help them with, I will you know, some of the things, that the ins and outs of the game, you know, whatever I can help them with. I'm not going there to say, oh, I'm to change the whole game. No, this is just a camp. It, it's not something take time. You know, it's more like I'm an, an advisor. So it's kind of seeing some things, seeing, you know, the guys work hard, advise them just on, on the skill set, on the physicality, but also the mindset of, it, of everything, you know, and, and that's what I'm coming along with, you know, it's just kind of, have a few ideas, maybe help some of them out, you know. Because I'm quite sure they have great trainers that they go to there in that area, so you know, just kind of go along with the trainers are telling them, you know, just kind of have that positive reinforcement for them.
0: Camps like these are always a big deal, there will be a lot of media coverage at this one. So, when you look at it and you talk to athletes, I mean, how do you see this being a big benefit to players? What areas do you think they can really the main thing is
1: exposure? Here? You know, learn from different exposure. Some people, because of uh, the COVID uh, pandemic, you know, coaches haven't been able to recruit, get out. So, you know, this is the opportunity to kind of have some, so have your footage, you know, recorded. If you have your parents that record your footage, you know, cause something that you can actually send the coaches before you actually step foot on their campus. At least you have a name where they can say, okay, let's go look at this huddle. We've seen it move around out here. You know, let, let's, you know, let's look at this huddle film now. Okay, now he's coming to our camp, so you have a name. It's not some, oh, he's number 568 that they put on your back. You actually have a name for yourself. They can shake your hand, they can size you up. That's that's what I think the biggest benefit of this is from, you know, and then be able to compete against some of the top athletes. So that's what coaches at college camp, they want to see the best against the best. A lot of times at colleges, you don't have the best against the best because the best already got the offers. They're not going to do anything in there you know so that's that's the end with that you know and it's the same thing i do here in texas like the following week i'll be in utah doing a, a, a showcase clinic in utah where i play ball at byu then on that sunday the, saturday the 22nd on the 23rd i'll be in dallas doing one with all those big names i'm making sure all those top guys are there not necessarily you know they have to get work if they're going to the undormant camps and all that kind of stuff but i want guys say for instance dbs who haven't been seen i want. I want them to go against the Evan Stewards, the Jordan Hudsons, the Nick Andersons, and the Boogie Johnsons, and all those guys that are already committed. Why? So coaches can see, oh, he, they can compete against them. Because guess what? They're not going to see them at their camp. You're not going to get the top receivers at your camp. You know, vice versa for the DBs. I want the top DBs in mine. you know, here, when I, especially here in Dallas, because I want those those 22 receivers that haven't been able to get seen and coaches kind of don't know if they really can't play. Well, let's go against the guys you've offered. And see, those guys that already had the money, they're not worried about their stock going down. they already set in stone. You know, so, and I'll do, <laughs> and I'll be doing that in Texas. It's running a little differently how I do it here. You know, I don't do it on that big scale because I don't want, I want a lot of reps. But I mean, the, in, in Atlanta, when I'm there, if it's rich, I'm, that's the type of energy I'm coming with, man. Hey, go compete against the top guys. You know, just kind of see, you know, if you want to be a big dog, Go defeat the big dog. What can the coach say then? They can't say, Oh, well, we doubt you. Well, they say, you offered him, so you must doubt him if you doubt me. So they play the game like that. Don't play, hey, don't play check. Don't play checkers, play chess.
0: Awesome. Well, now I want to get a few opinions from you. Who are some guys that you think on a national scale we are not talking enough about in any of the classes you're working with? 22, 23, 24. Who are some guys that we're not talking enough about? Um, I have
1: a guy. I have a kid, Tyler, Tyler Bailey, who's a twenty-two receiver started as a sophomore. Man was over a total yard sixteen hundred total yard res, uh, player as a sophomore. You know, let his team play receiver. You know, doesn't get you know he has a few offers, but it's like he's always in the hindsight of people. You know, it's like he's just that bottom tier people, not you know not giving him respect that I think he deserves in that uh, in that twenty-two class. Um, I have another one, Sean, solid 6'5", tight end that I'm working with. He's a hybrid type of kid, man. Just ran a, he I think he just ran a 22-7 and the 200 major region. Now he's, you know, 6'5, 215 pounds doing this. You know, it's a tight end. Also in the, in the in the 400, I think he ran a 50. I want to say he ran a 52-51, which I tell people for that size, that's moving for a tight end. So it's, it's, I have some under-the-radar kids like that who I believe can play on the next level and just not getting the looks that I think they should. You know, That's saying they don't have any offers. You know, they're grateful for that. And then I have some, you know, Dylan Evans, about uh, a little lamb who's a 22 kid, you know, uh, that I think is kind of getting kind of underlooked somewhere. But like I said, his stuff will pick up. And there's going to be some more uh, right now. That, and, and, you know, 23 class is still kind of early. to kind of going to have one kid, Rowan Fluella, who I think out of, uh, out of Gilman, who's going to be pretty good, he has one offer in that 23 class. My 23 class is taking off. It's pretty well, you know. And again, I don't have a lot of them, but because parents haven't figured out, okay, you might need to come to a trainer. Some, I, the ones that get early, get to eat early. The ones that come later, sometimes you get what's left over, you know. So that's how it works. I say, the earlier you come, the better it is. So I got some middle school kids, you know, I got some 24s that have offers. I have one kid that I work with named James Madison, um, he's actually a Saint, Aqu- uh, Saint Aquinas in uh, Florida. He, you know, comes from Missouri for me to train him. You know, <laughs> his mom flies him in just to get some working with me. You know, um, Samuel Pimble, who's going to be a big time kid that has probably like thirty offers now. He's not under he's not under the radar, but I look at, you know, he's a twenty three. But the twenty three is a pickup. I just don't know who, you know, right now. I don't know who's going to be the cream of the crop. You know, some have already played. That's not to mention, not to say, okay, well, this kid can't play. Well, maybe he was at a team that was stacked and didn't get in playing time. Like Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson plays at Katy High School. They don't throw the ball, you know. His footage, you know how he gets his offers? Based off the work he does with me. Go to the cleaners, go against top DBs. And he's the most humble kid because, okay, they won state this year in 6A. He caught one pass out route, took it 30 yards. That was it. He doesn't complain. Not saying he's not frustrated, but he just goes to work. He's a team player. I said, your breakout game not going to come until college. But he's 6'4", 193 pounds. You know, pick where he wants to go to school. And he just puts his nose down where He didn't play varsity his sophomore year. Played his junior year. But he's number seven receiver in the nation, the ESPN rankings. You know, so it, it hats off to kids like that who just continue to work. Don't worry about what the spectators or what people are saying about them. You know, and, and just kind of let do you, man. Live to satisfy yourself, but be very not going to be very critical of yourself. Take, like I said, find the sign where, okay, yeah, I'm getting better, but it's not what I want. I always find some part. Don't always be negative on yourself. Find the positive, and we're just going to keep rolling.
0: When you look back on your time that you've spent, especially lately as a trainer, I'm sure you've got some memories that will always stick with you. Have any stories that you could share with us of you know, <laughs> some of your favorite things that you've had? Your oh man, one of my
1: favorites, I tell people this all the time. I had a kid, um, an Ethiopian kid, you know, thing that culture, they don't really play football. And he came and he begged me or social media coach We can I train with Can I train with you? Not you know, I said, Yeah, I talked to him. And, I, and when he came out, I have to literally teach him how to run. Like I had to jog down the field and kind of show him how to move his own. I showed my wife, like, look at him. and she was like, What's wrong with him? And He was at a power Allen high school. He transferred to a school. Junior year ended up being like the third, third, fourth receiver. But he got on the field and played. I used to call him the mascot. My company is called Sky of the Limit Training. I used to call him the mascot because I'm like, this kid, he can't be a receiver. He's just a mascot. And people that stuck with him. And he started progressing. The biggest thing, one, uh, one of my buddies, man, who used to record and kind of film some of the stuff I would do, knew him. So I was having a clinic. And he saw him. And he looked at him was like mascot, and he looked at me. was like mascot can play, and then he came to me. He's like, "Hooks, yeah, you know what you're doing." Kid ended up being a walk on at Stephen F. Austin. Went to college. He was second-league receiver on his team his senior year. And I tell people that's a big wow. feat. People are like, "Oh, you got the all No, 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 no. I took a kid whose culture not in football. People told me not to train him. And he went to play ball. He was a walk on, so what? Some people, you have to earn a walk on, you know, position on the team. There's some of the stories like that that kind of, that's what gets me going. Give me the underdog that people don't take. I had a kid uh, who's going to Kansas, your name, Keelan Robinson. He's my 21 class. When he was a tight end in the little league and all this, and people used to tell me, Keelan can't catch. I remember I have videos of him. Just running the stop route over and over. He dropped it like six times, seven, eight times, over and over. No people that I can't catch. And I just kept working with him. You know, I talked to the uh, coach at uh, at Kansas at Hooks. You really believe in this kid? I said, Man, he's progressing. I like, Man, if you see when he came to me and what he's doing now, I see the progression. And the kid went to camp, to Coach Saw I see what you're talking about, Hooks, and offered him. And it's kids like that, Keelan Robinson, man, that I say, You know what? This is why I do it. When everyone turns, when people's turning back on you, and 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 it's like, wow, you made it. And to look at him now, you about to be a D one five, you know, power five player. You know, and, and when you started, him, people said, why are you training him? Man, that kid's not going to be any good. To where you are now, you know. So those are things, and I and I, and I, and I love the fact that this was. This was when I tell people, this what I take the power on back. You know, because some people I say the trainer, sometimes you want to train the kids that kind of got some juice already, kind of make it easy. Like, oh man, they can give a name out there, and I always tell people, people like do you know I enjoy the fact that some like I kind of stayed back in the background with training. I kind of stay kind of keep a low profile with things, and a lot, of social media wise, and do a lot of things. So I tell people to ask me, do I get offended sometimes when guys reach out to my other trainers, reach out for them to work with them? i was like. I no. said, so actually, I take it as a compliment because I understand you basically come because you're not just going to find a kid that's that's not needing pigeon toed and a ball bouncing off his head to train. You know, it, you're probably turning them down. But me, I take a kid like that because it's like a challenge. So I take it as a compliment. A lot of times, you know, my guys start excelling and people reach out. Man, I can come help you out and work with them. And they tell me and I was like, that's, that's coming to territory, you know. Like if you want to, I like, sometimes they may have different things to, to help you out with that I'm not helping with. You know, sometimes a different voice may help, you know, so so it, it's like that. And it's a the training game is the, the the business of it. It's a it's like a revolving door. As you get kids to leave, more come in. You know, as long as you're doing well and and how do mine is my business is promoted by the people I train. You know, it's like parents tell people it's by word of mouth that I've grown. And like I just said, I'm very appreciative to the kids that I work work with, you know, appreciate to their parents who give me an opportunity to work with them, you know, and just try to do the best I can with helping them uh, achieve their dreams.
0: For sure. Well, another opinion that I'm curious about, you talk about guys coming into schools and competing for jobs. Now, the transfer market has been interesting in the NCAA. So are you a fan of guys where you say, okay, maybe this spot isn't working out, go somewhere else? Or are you the type that says, stick it out? You
1: can uh, I'm, on, I'm straddled the fence. It's based on the situation. It's based on the situation. Okay. I'm not going to say no. I'll just stay there and stick it out because like, it might not be, it might be, you know, all oh, the coaches right. No, some coaches are not right. Some are not. Some, some coaches, of coaches never touch the field in their life, they don't understand what the guy's going through. You know, you never touched the middle of that field to understand when that clock is ticking. Have you ever made a play in your life, but you able to tell a kid that he's not good? I'm like, you know, I get very offensive towards coaches like that. And even when guys start recruiting the kids that I train, I check their background. I try to see, did you play? Where did you get your – so so when you tell a kid to be tough, I want to look at your background. What was you doing? What was you ever tough? You know, you may not have had the opportunity to play but not saying you can't coach. You know, but sometimes do you have the mindset to make it? So I do background checks on them. I check what school you went to, if you graduated, all that type of stuff. I go look up your film to see. Cause Google was snitching. It's Google will tell a story on you in a minute. You know, some of the stories I can tell you about some of the stuff I hear, because I'm not I mean I train kids, but I also help them with the recruiting side. Like I'm a trainer. But do I have connections? Yes. I can call coaches, they pick up the phone. Hey, what you got? You know what you got for me, Hooks. But it's, you know, I, I again I look at the situation. Do they do they match the kid? You know, I'm able to tell a coach the inside stuff on kids, but I'm also interviewing coaches to kind of see how they work, you know, with, with, with different people, different kids and all that kind of stuff. I do the same thing. Just like they research the kids' background, I look at the coach's background. So this what you're dealing with, with this coach. You know, even when kids are in school and they're in a situation with coaches in the doghouse. I know I'm not telling them I'm on the coach's side because normally you probably did something and that'll doing. It. But I showed them ways to to get out the doghouse, get out ways to, to, to take the top end Now, what it does is the portal gives players control of a lot. Because now, if you're a big time player and you think that coach wronged you and you hit that portal, that coach could lose his job if you're a big, big enough player. It's like the pros oh, you can't even get the top guys there, he don't like you. Oh man, we need to get somebody. At least keep the guys here. So it's a it's a it's a two way street. So now coaches have to, you know, I'm not saying don't do you when coaching, but you got to be honest. You have to be. You have to be honest with these guys. You can't just tell them anything to get them there, and then it's a whole different story. You know, you got to be honest. Tell them, hey, you might come in. You're gonna have the red shirt. Don't come in, so you're gonna start. And I also said, you got a chance to start. You're the only one on recruiting. Then they get there and you got four other freshmen in there with them. And he's like, well, he said, I was the only one coming in. Don't do that. Because if I find out you did it, one thing about being a trainer, who's going to fire me? I'm my own boss. My brand is me. I don't sit behind, a, you know, a big time college where he say, oh, it's me. Because I tell a coach like this, you stand in the middle of the field, and let me stand in the middle of the field. We're going to see who the kids come to. <laughs> I'll put people in college. You look for them. i said say, I'm sought after. You look for them. There's a big difference. And you know and It goes hand in hand. You know, trainers, we're the mechanics. The coaches, you're just, you're the drivers. You're the to drive the car. But guess what? When it needs to get fixed on, they come back to the mechanic. We go, we go tinker with them because we understand their makeup. We built them, you know. You just inherited them. Especially it depends on how young you got them. You know, if you just bring kids a kid senior year and he was already six five four four forty kids, it's like okay, but <laughs> he was going to get recruited anyway. But did you polish his games? You polish his skill set, you know. So that's how, you know, the the training thing is, is 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 different. It's not it's not coaching. When you train, it's not coaching. We don't do schemes. We don't do. Game planning and all that kind of stuff. We just work on what we need to work on with you to help you fit in the scheme you're working in. So we don't. Go, I don't go against the scheme. Whatever you're doing in college or high school, I do that. I'm gonna train you on what you need to do on the field to to you know be you know to help your team win first of all and foremost, and then help you get the accolades that you want.
0: My final question for you now: You talk about being your own boss, your life as a trainer, can you take us through a day or a week in the life? I mean, what do things look like
1: for you? <laughs> well, things with me, uh, like I said, I teach school. So, Monday through Friday, I'm up at 5.45 in the morning, get my kids dressed, take them to school, drop them off. Uh, my hour time, I call it my office hours. On my way from driving, drop my son off and going to work to school, I call college coaches. And I do So I call coaches, check up some, some of my guys in college. I pick, like, two coaches a morning to call and talk to. You know, get some kids, family, and all that. So when I get to school, you know, I teach school. So in between classes or an off period, I call coaches again. Because the thing coaches have, their day is kind of set up somewhat like mine. But they're in more meetings than me. So I send a text message, you know, coach, look at this kid. Just getting a film, I think. It's getting kids seen. Especially now getting their workout film with me. Because, again, when you go to a high school, they're running the scheme. They might not be doing the stuff you want them to see. Because they're running what the coaches tell them to run. But you might say, well, can he do this? Can he do that? Well. I'm gonna have opportunity to show you that he can. I'm gonna put him in those situations to help him out with that. So that's Monday through Friday. I might language now. Since the time has changed, I do like one session during the week. Like on a Wednesday, I go out it's from I get off work at six, so I'll be at the field from six thirty to about eight. I have about four or five kids. You know, I work with them, you know, on certain things. And then Friday hits then Saturday morning. If I do a private session, all my private sessions are at seven in the morning. If you want everybody at hey, the early bird, get the worm. Then I do it at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. And it goes through progress. My eight o'clock is more of my beginners, my new guys. And they do their work. I then at nine o'clock of those novice kids that they've been with me for a while, but they, it's almost time for them to go get some money, get some scholarships. So I had a nine to 10 o'clock where those guys got the money already. Those are those elite guys that, that have the offers and they're working on different things. You know, um, then if, if I have some of my college guys or pro guys in town, that's 11 o'clock, 11 to 12. Um, every other weekend and then on Saturday, every other Saturday, I go to Waco. I'm from, originally from Waco, Texas. So I drive down to see my parents, but I have kids that meet me from the Houston, San Antonio, Austin area in Waco. So I go down there and I do a session. I might leave here at 11 and I'm in Waco like around one or two. And I do a session down there from three to five where I get those guys in. And I train them that I'm back in Dallas. Uh, Sunday morning, I mean, I do my scheduling. I always do my scheduling the day before, just in case weather may not permit or some changes. I want to know who I'm supposed to be training so I can text them and let them know, because I don't do pop up groups. It has to be an appointment. You know, it's not because I want to keep my numbers down. You know, so it's not where anybody can just show up and then I got 30 kids out there. That's not training, that's just running through stuff. So on Sunday, I do a. 9 o'clock to the church in the morning. So I do that. In, I do an, I do early morning service. So I do a 9 o'clock workout and a 10 o'clock in Midlothia down south, which is like 40 minutes from me. So all those kids in that southern sector, I go down there and I work there. I do two workouts. My beginners at, at 9, those older guys at 10. Then it gives me an hour to drive back up north where I do a 12 o'clock and a 1 o'clock up north. The 12 o'clock to those beginners, 1 o'clock is those guys. Well, when the season comes, I do most of my beginners. Guys play Subway, so, like junior varsity, I train them on Saturdays, Saturday mornings. My varsity guys come to me on Sundays because they have meetings and stuff on Saturdays. And that's my days, and that's year-round. So it really doesn't slow down for me. Just, it slows down a little bit once the season starts, but then those kids, I call it, they at least come to me once a week during the summer and stuff like that, but then once the season hits, they may come like twice a month, which is enough because I have so many kids coming, you know, and I have kids that, that parents fly into me come from out of town and you know adjust for them and like now you know i'll be on the 16th i'll be i mean i'll be there well (laughs) i got other clinics with people i fly out to different areas around the country and i do clinics two-hour clinics just me and receivers i do training like that also on top of still getting film out helping guys get recruited putting the highlight film with them me together talking to coaches Getting transcripts, making sure transcripts are together. SAT, if I have a tutor kid on SAT or ACT prep, I can do that also. You know, making sure, you know, the kid know what level they probably should play at. Because everybody has the dream of going Power Five. You might not be Power 5 material. But that don't mean you can't go to school, you know, and, and play ball. It don't mean you can't play your butt off and get to a point where you have an opportunity to go pro. You know, I don't knock that because of school yet, because the thing is get on the field that's like a synopsis of my day <laughs> along with teaching at least i ain't teaching math now where i have to come home with grade papers do lesson plans and all that kind of stuff so that's right that's that's kind of that's my day you know then throughout the day you know parents upset why my kid don't have this offer what's going on so i got the parents i can deal with the management of the parents you know and i've done it so much they're like you're so calm about this i'm like oh, i've done it a while. you're not the first parent to have these issues you know so and then talking to coaches when they have it you know What's over with this man? Why is this kid doing it? I don't know, coach. I don't know. Let me call him, you know, or my underclassmen like coaches can't call the 23. So I'm the middleman. You know, they call me to get the kid, talk to him on three to offer. Him. You know, then I got to deal with the point if a kid gets an offer. Then the high school coaches may be upset because it didn't go through them. That's Texas for you. So then you got to put out those fires. You know, and it's like, it's about having the kid if they want credit for it, you know. It was just fine, I don't trip. And I tell some kids, don't even tag me on the stuff. You know, with Marvin Mims, I never told him to tag me on anything because I knew how the coach was. Don't tag me. You know, don't tag me. Look, when you're done, when he's done with you, you're done with him, you're not going to go by. You're going to go by and see him, just say, hey. You're going to continue to not always come see me. I'm the mechanic. They're just the driver. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Margin, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you. Thank coming you, on the show man. Today. I hope
1: I see, see you out there when I'm uh, out in Georgia.